I told you, it just wasn't our business. I think when someone hurts someone else, I, I think it is our business. Well, I know it seems that way, but there was nothing I could do. Yeah, Mom, if, if everybody did that, then there would be no one to look out for the people who just can't look out for themselves. So what should I have done? I didn't want things to get violent. Violence isn't the worst thing in the world. What is then? Apathy. There are worse things than violence. Like what? This is spoilers. This is spoilers. <laughs> Josh gave me that one. Set me up. It was pretty good. <laughs> like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Spoilers. The other one that I had was Sarah Silverman's bags are up here. This is Spoilers, which would have been pretty on brand. If you didn't know by those two spoilers or the title of this episode, we're here to talk about 2017 classic, The Book of Henry. Uh, the movie game's back. So uh, I won the last time. I think it was on JCVD. So we're going to introduce the hosts, and one of them's going to pick the next movie and host the next episode. The opening question tonight, it's a two-parter. And this is something that Stevie and I talked about recently. I'm interested to hear your guys' takes. But first part, like last book you read, book you're reading, book you recommend, just something about a book. You know, I'm sure you've read a book at some point in your life. Second part. If you listen to an audiobook, can you say that you've read the book? Very controversial, believe it or not. Stevie, <laughs> we'll let you go first. Hey, so Stevie, um, let's see. Book I'm currently reading. I'm about three quarters of the way through uh, Mario Puzo's The Godfather for about the fourth time now. I really just recommend that book. It's Hi, reading it like LeBron, huh? Oh yeah, just reading it over and over and over again. <laughs> Same page, just just catches me every time. Um, and no, uh, I think if you're an audio book person, I think that's fine. I think it's a fine medium if you have like a good commute or a long trip ahead of you, but you have not read it. I think if you say like, oh, I read it, but on audio tape or you know, listen to it on my phone through like a podcast or something, uh, you have not read the book. I think it's it's a lazy wave. Uh, digesting that material. Ouch! Lazy way. It's super lazy. Why? You have no imagination. You actually have to like read and connect things. Like to have someone like do it for you. It's incredibly lazy. I think it's fine, but don't say you've read it when you haven't. Corey, how do you feel about it? Uh, it's been so long, by the way. The last one that you did was Battlefield Earth. We're going way back. The last episode I hosted, yeah. I haven't hosted in a while. This is Corey, Kylo Ren memes. Hello, everybody. Hello. I'm currently reading Dragonlance, Dragons of Fate, which just came out about a month ago. The latest in the Dragonlance series from the original authors. I've read about 20 or more of Dragonlance books since my teen years. Really special place in my heart. I talked about it on the... uh, What was that movie we did where there was like a goddamn berserker warrior and it was alexander skarsgård 
Uh, the Northman? The Northman. Talked about it on the Northman. Love Ver- Dragonlance. <laughs> uh, Stevie is wrong. I think actually reading <laughs> oh. the physical book is more lazy because you <laughs> wow. are making worse use of your time. So I'm, I'm a man that likes to get things done. So I will clean, do the dishes, drive, whatever I'm doing while listening to a book, which is what I'm currently doing with Dragonlance. Uh, I absorb the information and I say I read it. Stevie doesn't agree. But, you know, if we're going to talk about laziness, I think it's more practical and more optimal to listen and do something else at the same time, like work out. You know, you're going to say, call me lazy while I'm pumping iron, listening to Lord of the Rings? I wouldn't. That's all I got. Sounds like you're getting your medicine. Uh, I'll go next. This is Pappy. The last book that I read with my eyeballs uh, was Thinking Fast and Slow. And I thought it was great. And it's like super popular. Like people talk about it all the time. But then I read or saw a YouTube video that basically said everything in that book was bullshit. <laughs> it's been disproven in like all of the studies that they have were like totally bunk. So that was like, <laughs> oh my God, really fucking deflating to get through like a 400 page book and be like, oh yeah, you, you actually didn't learn anything. You actually unlearned <laughs> how the world works. So that's <laughs> dumber now. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> um, I, I think they're different. I don't know. I wouldn't call like listening to an audiobook lazy. I think that like when most people say they read a book but they listen to it, they're just kind of using. I said it's the lazy way of saying you've read a book. I I think it's like shorthand, right? Like because it's like to say, oh, I listened to the audiobook, but there is like a material difference. Like I, I was listening to a Clash of Kings, the Game of Thrones book. Because I'm a fucking loser who likes to torture myself with stories that don't end, (laughs) and it's like, like Sansa walked into a room. And she didn't know who was there. And the guy is like, who's there, little bird? Or something like that. Like He does his Gregor Clegane voice. And if you're reading the book, you wouldn't know who it was. But because he did the voice, you know who it was. So like, there is like a material difference. But I think you can like, I, I don't know. It's, it's different, but you, you are absorbing the material. I'll put it that way. Josh, how about you? You're a man of literature. I'm not a man of literature. I'm glad you brought up Game of Thrones, though. Because Lord of War, it's been a while. Wait, are you still talking? I was just saying it's been a while since you've hosted Lord of War. It's been oh yeah, many a moon. trivia is really bad idea for this podcast. It's been dumb from the start. But anyway, about books, Game <laughs> of Thrones basically made me quit reading. <laughs> um, but I'm reading right now on fraternity and social friendship by Pope Francis something our work group is reading together just a little anecdote from it it's kind of cool because part of it delves into the good samaritan story and one part of that story that i think is kind of cool is jesus is like telling all these people he's like hey you should like the first commandment is like love your neighbor like yourself And then, like, some smartass in the back is like, okay, but, like, who is actually my neighbor? (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, how many miles down the road (laughs) does it Mm -hmm. have to be close to me to be my neighbor? And Jesus is like, well, these other people who are actually your rival are also your neighbor. So he, he, like, changed the definition of what, like, neighbor is in a way. I thought that was kind of cool. Just a little old school josh religious moment on the spoiler spot holiest well. on the pod josh <laughs> are you saw do you still have a pod called brimstone and fire josh 
Yep, still going strong. Uh, (laughs) Talking about like audiobooks and like actually reading, I think the smartest thing to do is just like understand that there are two different ways of absorbing the information. And some people have different learning types. Mm. And you know when you're being lazy, you know what your learning type is, you know what your style is. So, like, sometimes a book calls to be read, sometimes it's okay if you audiobook it. Like, you can skim it if you're reading it with your eyeballs, and you can also skim it on times 2.5 if you're reading it or listening to it and not really paying attention. So, like, I don't know, either or, get both sides of the argument. But there's something old school about me that loves to see someone just sitting there reading a damn book. I'm kind of with Stevie on that. Don't we owe it to the author to be ingrained in the story itself? I don't owe the I don't owe George R. R. Martin fucking shit. Well, he yeah, owes me. He quits. <laughs> he owes me. But Pap, I still believe to this day, the day after that man dies, <laughs> the Game of Thrones books are gonna come out, they're gonna be finished. And everyone's going to be so angry. He's going to leave a book of Henry, you know? Someone's <laughs> going to find the book and uncover the truth. <laughs> last but not least, Mikey. And the reason I wanted to bring up everyone's last pick, it's been almost a year for you. I don't know how everyone doesn't root for you to win trivia at this point. It was last spooky season you picked upgrade. <laughs> spooky season's almost upon us again. But uh, reading, listening, your thoughts. Well, I just want to point out that we put the put the uh, movie trivia game on the back burner for a while. We've been doing a lot of Patreon stuff. Okay, so that extends my reign of losses. Uh, yeah. uh, it inflates it. So let's just calm down, everybody. It's not really a year. Uh, movie game trivia is on pause. Pap. Let's get the facts straight. It's not 52, but it's, it has <laughs> been a while. Uh, books. Um, I read the Annihilation, uh, book. That's like a trilogy that that movie is based on. That was really good. It's a really good book. Uh, I have the book, uh, True Detective is based on The King in Yellow in my backpack, but I haven't started that yet. But nice. I think that's going to be a cool one. Steve, have you read that? No. Yeah, I don't know, uh, what it's supposed to be about, but it sounded. I was just like, well, what's True Detective based on? And just looked it up. And I'm just pumped for Alaskan True Detective. Did they change the title there slightly? I think you said The King in Yellow, and don't they say The Yellow King in the show? Yeah. The book is called The King in Yellow. I don't know if that matters much. Just caught that when you said that. And, I mean, I got a lot of books. I just, I feel like reading is a really time, time-consuming hobby. And I just... I feel like audiobooks, I don't feel like it counts as mm. putting in the work to read. Well, at least for me, because I can read a page and then I'll forget it after I turn the page. So it's like, I got to put in that work to actually sit down and concentrate and read the book. But like with an audiobook, I don't know. It just feels uh, like when Corey says he's doing other stuff, I just feel like I would not be processing the book the same way as if I were sitting down with a book reading it. So I, I feel like it doesn't count in my eyes, but that's just me. What if I listen to the audiobook of like The Long Halloween or Watchmen or something? That's basically the same, right? Huh? Like the audio drama? 
<laughs> no, just <laughs> someone just reading lose out on all the cool art that is associated yeah. with the stories. <laughs> they do these like cool like comic book audio dramas now, where they like it's kind of like listening to like an old radio serial. It's really cool. Like they do it with like the Sandman, and there's some uh, me and Josh have bonded over some like Marvel related ones. There can be some cool ones out there. Spotify has like free books. Like they have like all the Lord of the Rings and stuff, and like I want to listen to them, but I'm not going to count it as me reading them. Yo, Kylo, send me that Sandman one. I want that. Speaking of cool dramas. Kylo, The Book of Henry, a very cool children's movie. How would you describe The Book of Henry, Corey? You know, I love asking you this, and I don't think there's ever been a movie I've been more excited to ask you about. If someone had never seen The Book of Henry, (laughs) how are you describing this to them? This movie is unhinged. This movie's off the rails, man. It's very weird. It's one of those things where it's like, it's hard to describe, because when you start to describe it, it seems like it's one thing and it's something else, but that's what the movie is, right? <laughs> the movie is something else than that one thing. Whoa, dude. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's almost like they, I don't know, changed their mind about what they wanted to do. I don't know. There's a gifted kid. He's a little mm-hmm. kid, Henry, <laughs> but 11 years old. He is like the brightest kid in the school. He's like college educated level gifted kid right way ahead of the curve with everyone and it's about his life with his family and what it's like for this kid to have the burden of kind of running the household for his mom who is an adult yes but really just kind of defers to her son with running everything and the movie takes a couple turns along the way right that's kind of like what you think this is when you first start watching it and it's just going to kind of explore that and it takes a few turns you guys have to admit that that's a good quality in a movie. A lot of turns and a lot of swings, and you don't know what's coming next. A lot of swings, a little contact. <laughs> uh, what about a lot of tones? <laughs> Mikey's right about the tone. The tone of this movie is crazy. It's like it's jarring and abrupt and strange. It's it starts off super whimsy. This movie, in, including like the opening credits. But like a lot of the beginning of this movie is just kind of like, this is what it's like to be the smartest boy in the world. <laughs> yeah, going into it and seeing the opening credits, I was like, uh, I, first of all, I thought it was a Patreon pick. And so I was like, oh, is this just like a family kids movie or something that we were getting trolled with? But uh, to find out that Pat had picked it. Makes more sense now. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Why did you pick well, how, this? How do you know about it? Where did you hear about Dude, this? Dude, the fuck? Okay. So, <laughs> this has become like a legendarily bad movie. Like a, a contemporary legendarily bad movie. Like, let me, let me read you guys a couple reviews. This is Ooh. The Guardian. Okay. The Book of Henry is a catastrophically awful film. <laughs> Everyone should see it. <laughs> the Ringer. <laughs> The Book of Henry is a bad, bad, bad movie. Esquire Magazine. The worst movie of the year. 
and, and Brett's favorite periodical, The Atlantic. Ooh. The Book of Henry is so bad. <laughs> it's an it's a good anti masterpiece. Stevie, I don't I don't know. This isn't like a so bad it's good good movie in the this traditional ain't Birdemic. Sense. Yeah, exactly. I think of like Birdemic. I think of like the room. Like I would not call this so bad it's good. No, what it is though is it's so bad you wonder how the hell did this get made? Like who signed off on these decisions? Like the thing I can picture is an editor sat down and said, what the hell do you want me to do with this? <laughs> like literally it's what it reminds me. It's like they chopped up four different movies and tried to combine them into one to make a fluid story. And it made zero sense. I looked up the writer of this Stevie. Greg and- Hurwitz. This guy wrote, do you remember that old Dragon Ball Z movie? Uh, the Tree of Might. Oh yeah! Like that was they, a good they one. did these like non-canonical movies all the time for Dragon Ball Z, so they could like sell VHS tapes back in the day. And Goku could always come back. Yeah, The Tree of Might was one that was very legendary. Right, that one was like super popular. I think everyone saw that one. It was on Toonami all the time. He wrote that, which is bizarre, and a couple like TV shows, and then this. This movie is downright bizarre. Is it a kids' movie? <sighs> It's a movie with kids in it. Is it a family movie? What was it rated? It's a movie with a family in it. <laughs> it's a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, <laughs> PG that to me is its biggest fail. Is it's PG thirteen, and I feel like it's just dipping its toes in a lot of different things and not committing to anything. And it's a very frustrating watch. Yes, dude. It's not committing. It's not committing to anything. It almost kind of wants to have that like tone of like Jack the Bear, where it's like really heavy and deep about this like family drama and things are just like shitty and dark. But it doesn't really do that. It has its moments, right, that are definitely like tragic. But I feel like it's not heavy enough when they happen. Yeah, like when um when the, when Henry passes away, I mean. We see instances of Naomi Watts like being off, but they're fleeting. There's no real like moments of like I lost a son. You know what I mean? It's so you're ju- talking about after he passed away. Yeah. What do you mean? She's making all those brownies in a cookie cookie mom way. Well, I feel like the movie wants to take us to the next point, right? The book of Henry. But why mm-hmm. did Henry have to pass away? Because there's so no, his book. there's no payoff from it. No one learns anything from it. It's terrible. I feel like this context is important. I, I would like to also add that this movie changed like the trajectory of like pop culture in general. <laughs> because Colin Trevorrow had directed Jurassic World, the second biggest movie of that year, second only to Rise of the Skywalker. I think that's the same year. He directs no. this. Well, which one? Force Lost Awakens, probably. Oh, Force yeah, sorry, Awakens. Force Awakens. Uh, yeah, it was around that time, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he directed the second biggest movie of the year. He's supposed to direct the third Star War. This comes out, and Kathleen Kennedy changes her mind and goes back <laughs> with J.J. Abrams. So it's like, I, I don't know. Like This movie changed the whole Star Wars franchise, potentially. But I, I don't know, maybe, Mikey, some more specifics. What What else is happening in Henry's life um we mentioned he's really smart like what specifically how do we see that he's smart what's he up to uh i think Corey mentioned that like he's in charge of all the finances 
we see him making a penny stock call or something on, on a payphone. He's like, <laughs> <Find> game stock. <laughs> working, yeah, he's working with Gordon Gecko, trying to get his stocks up. Uh, he's constantly, he's just like solving everybody's problems uh, in his in his family's life. Uh, he's super smart and caring. Like, I, this is a this is a good kid. Uh, yeah. but he's got like a dark side to him, almost like a Batman esque type. <laughs> side. Well, he, I mean, he has this like sense of like you know, um, like I guess justice, moral that obligation, he, justice, yeah. moral justice. obligation in regards to justice. But I mean, <laughs> aside from that, he really is the perfect child in every way. The only thing he's not perfect at is. Not having a malignant brain tumor. <laughs> His only flaw. Oh my gosh. He needs medicine. <laughs> he needs surgery. My lord. So that's 3,000 of Tannentech at 76 with a stop loss at 70. And you know what? Give me 10 Lifcom with the limit at uh, two and a quarter. Okay. Yeah, I think it'll work. Oh. Let's just say the benefit of being born into a bull market. But it's like all of the adults in this town have like come to accept who Henry is. You know what I mean? Like you would think a movie like this would be like he would go to a new school and like the the community would start to realize that he's gifted. Henry has like the latitude to just storm into the principal's office, call her by her first name and say like, God damn it, Janice, what are you going to do about <laughs> what's happening? Like he faces like no repercussions for it. He's like on a different level. You think he needs repercussions? He needs medicine. I don't know about repercussions. I mean, what he's witnessing and what he's talking about, uh, if you give it context, Pep, you're completely on his side. He's seen this girl. He's seen get- Hank's minerals. <laughs> Jesus, Corey. <laughs> well, Josh, spell it out for us. Give us that context. We, we mentioned Hank. Dean Norris, I think that's the actor's name, right? Well, Hank slash Henry has this Batman streak. He's like the smartest person in town. So like to whom is given much is tested. And (laughs) (laughs) he's got to protect people. And his next door neighbor, she's getting abused, presumably in like the worst possible ways by her stepfather, South Penn native, Hank from... Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. Dean Norris? Yeah. Is that his name? Dean Norris? He's from South Bend? Yep. I know that. His name is Dean Norris, but I like to say D Norris. No one really knows the difference. Doesn't really matter. But anyway. Good one. He's a, it really he, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mikey. But he's a cop in this movie, just like in Breaking Bad. And typecast. He's like the worst cop ever. He's like a small town cop. Everyone bows to him, licks his boots, doesn't care if he molests his child, sort of situation is what's going on, Pat. Is he the chief of police? Mm-hmm. I believe so. The commissioner. He seems to be doing a lot of work. Seems to be sitting at home drinking. He's raking those leaves all day. <laughs> <laughs> drinking scotch neat. I don't know. Do you think he would have that much power? To be able to sweep that under the rug? Well, his brother is the CPS guy. Mm. Probably have more power than this movie shows. We'll get to that later. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Literally, like, the next thing I have is things get dark. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I don't know, Steve. Do you want to tell us about some of the first radical, totally radical tone shift that happens in the movie? Which I would say, I guess, like, even having the child abuse doesn't even fit in with, like, the first 20 minutes of the movie, you know? It's pretty wild. It's, uh, it's pretty peculiar. Um, I'm even trying to figure out the, the first, like, kind of, like, guitar riff where you're like, whoa, this got weird. It got weird for me when Bobby Moynihan showed up. I'm like, that's interesting. What's wrong with Bobby Moynihan? He's great. It's just, I, like, him and Sarah Silverman in this movie, just weird casting. Well, because you think they're going to be, like... Oh, they're the wacky employees that mom works with. Like, it's because it's a happy-go-lucky family movie. But, like, yeah. they're not really in it. And the, it's not really a family movie. <laughs> Four quadrants, boys. Mm. I mean, it's a movie with a family in it, kind of. But, um. You know that memed scene where, uh, Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> he, like, is watching that video? <laughs> It's from True Detective, <laughs> and he's like breaking down crying because what he's seeing is so terrible. Isn't that Interstellar? That's Interstellar. No, uh, he's he, watching some fucked up shit in True Detective. Maybe it's from both. Actually, I think there's similar memes. But anyway, right into spoilers. Maybe on Spotify, answer that question, Austin. But I feel like that's what Naomi Watts is doing when she like sees what's happening. Like that's how terrible it is what Dean Norris is doing to his stepdaughter. It's pretty bad, Pap. It's really dark. No one knows why you chose this movie. <laughs> it pulls her away from Gears of War. Like, she, she's a gamer. <laughs> it's the one thing War. that makes her take the headphones off. Is that the only thing in this movie that kind of gives you an idea of when this takes place? There's, like, cassette tapes, pay phones, old-ass cars... No, like, I don't think there's any cell phones, and then you got Gears of War. I'm like, okay, it's modern. Oh, I never even thought about that. I would say, I think this movie looks good. Like, in, like the costumes are good, the colors are good. I don't know if Jason's, is it the same? Um, Jason Schwartz, director of photography, is it? Is it him? Like that Jason Schwartzman? Oh, is it the Jason? I think so. I will find out. Okay, yeah, that was super weird. Um... I, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe can we talk a little bit about the Sarah Silverman character too? A little bit. Much has been made on Letterboxd, and I read extensive Letterboxd reviews before picking this. I thought it would be something else that it wasn't, but <laughs> much was made of her kissing Henry on the lips. That whole dynamic's pretty fucked. That was cool. Do you like it, Josh? Well, so, well, Brett's not here, so. I mean, I've seen worse. And I'm talking about blank check. Blank check was a felony. (laughs) (laughs) But she was also a cop in blank check. So that was, you know, she was also connected. She went for the FBI. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about abuse of authority. Yeah, it's just a, a weird decision when Henry is trying to essentially kill this guy, this abuse, this child abuser. And then to have him be okay with Sarah Silverman kissing him on the lips. I, I didn't know that it's supposed to be like a sweet and innocent moment type thing, but I mean, it's just weird. This movie doesn't go for anything, but I think what this movie was like trying to convey, did a terrible job at, was like she took pity on him because he was going to die and he was, she was probably going to be his first and last kiss ever. Yeah. Yeah. But. I mean, it's not as bad as Blank Check, I don't think. But it is weird that the very last thing he says before she kisses him is, 
I am a child. I think she moves in for a smooch. She moved in right after that. That's what got her going. I've been waiting for you to say that. <laughs> she could have been his first victim. He pulls out a gun. And says, this ends now. <laughs> he could have gotten some justice right there. It's called reaction formation. What? It seems we have an antithetical relationship, but we're just behaving towards each other the opposite of how we really feel. I think you're pretty... Thus, I insult you. Childish, yes. But... I am a child. I think in a non-woke look at life, what she does Mm. is, like, super sweet. She lets him get a really good glimpse of the bags. Right down the blouse, boys. Good lady. (laughs) Wholesome Uh, moment. (laughs) Uh, Jason Schwartzman, not the one we're thinking of, not the actor. It's John Schwartzman. It's John Schwartzman, exactly. So we both messed that up somehow. We've been duped. The cinematographer of Pearl Harbor, Armageddon, Seabiscuit, Jurassic World, Dominion. Wow. Wow. Seabiscuit. Seabiscuit. Five movie club. Uh, Stevie, you've mentioned some of the tone shifts. Did you, did you feel anything when Henry dies? Like I said, smartest kid in town, realizes his neighbor's being abused, starts to set in motion a plan to rectify the situation, but before he can, he dies. Were you, uh, removed by his performance, Naomi Watts' performance? He just, he just wants to see this guy. You see, that's the thing is, I don't mind abrupt, like, story shifts. Um, cause sometimes it can be done really well, you know, his like going from like seizing in the bedroom to being in the hospital to dying in his mother's arms and then to cut to her kind of like in the window. Well, you're like, it's a great way of doing like, of saying something without, without saying something, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, we know that he passed away and it just gets really strange like from there on out, as far as like tone wise, because there's still some weird jokes in there. Am I hearing that you? I feel like you're giving this movie a compliment in a roundabout way, because I think this part of the movie works. That it Pappy's does. specifically pointing out, it, mm-hmm. it, it's really wrenching when he dies. It's bad. I wanted to speed up the movie so bad, sort of situation. I was like kind of angry at Pap during these like scenes, <laughs> like really angry. <laughs> The fact that he picked this movie. Good old child death. I can't imagine anything more gut-wrenching. And it's like, you know, we we come here on these days, talk about movies, a cinema we love, and we have to fucking watch this. And I was, like, angry <laughs> for, like, ten minutes. I was, like, just thinking about how I'm going to go off on Pap, because I didn't know what the movie was. I've never seen it. I didn't know what the movie was. I had never seen it. That feeling left me about 30 seconds after he died, because... The movie went in a complete different direction again and never mm-hmm. really picked up momentum. And it's terrible to say, like, from his death. And we didn't learn anything along the way. Or you calloused yourself because you didn't want to feel what you were feeling. Oh, I knew what I was feeling. I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it whatsoever. And uh, as I said, I was just pissed off at Pap. <laughs> um, but, like, the shift from there going to, you know, read the book, you know, to acceptance of having dead son between the ears 
is a way to go. And the tonal shifts were so strange. I'll kind of give this away. I legitimately thought the brother was going to like have his dead corpse pop out of that box at the end. Whoa. I did dude. not rule that out. Because I, I was like, this movie is so all over the place. I'm like, this motherfucker has a dead body in there. I just know it. Like I was, yeah. I was kind of waiting for that moment. Yeah, I was like honestly anticipating the same exact thing. I was like, I will not be surprised. This movie just decides to be real fucked up again for some reason. Yeah, and he's he's dug up his brother. <laughs> like those are his ashes. He's spraying all over the. It crowd. just sprays a bunch of pictures of Dean Norris committing child abuse. Like people can get all oh jacked they want about like fake snow, but they don't know that about the brothers. Like in the context of what we see in the film, the townspeople don't know. Like that's like their special bond. Yeah, I didn't understand. There might be that. some Brigsby Bear stuff happening. Why is he spraying asbestos over all of this? <laughs> I don't understand this kid's act. There <laughs> might be some fantasy land happening then this movie just like in Brigsby Bear. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it though, Josh. Like, do you honestly think that, or are you just kind of like throwing it out there? Because I, I didn't really get that energy from it not like the florida project or something oh when we get to a certain part when we get we're getting pretty close to the end just but when get we to get it. there just spoilers okay well uh josh wants a lot to of plot between here and now <laughs> are you sure pappy yeah we'll come back okay so the very end of the movie naomi watts doesn't take the shot She's supposed to kill Hank from Breaking Bad, and she doesn't. Hank from South Bend. <laughs> she, instead, she like awkwardly confronts him in the woods, tells him her plan to bust him, how she knows how he's abusing her, his stepdaughter, and they're in the middle of the woods, middle of nowhere. No one knows where either of them are. He's a police sheriff or captain or something. I'm quite sure he chokes her out and she, like, in a realistic way, he would just kill her right here. I truly think so. And then you'll notice from here out, here on out in the movie, every step of the way, every right thing happens for her. So she makes it back inexplicably for her younger son's <laughs> magic trick. This is everyone so understands <laughs> what's so it, what it means, even though she's the only one that knows what it would mean. The doctor asks her out on a date. We haven't talked about his character yet. And she gets home and like, literally the daughter that's being abused stays with her and gets tucked in as enchilada number two that night. And Hank, offs himself takes care of the problem everyone's guilt-free it's the great it's the best two hanks dead Ooh. <laughs> she gets custody of that of that abused girl because she forges hank's signature to i don't know relinquish custody after hank dies which looks super sus classic yeah. <laughs> super oh, by sus. The way, he just signed this document yeah <laughs> it's like literally yesterday I like that, Josh. I like that you kind of like read into that and developed that. I, I honestly do. I just don't think the movie does anything to try to like support that. I would agree. Can I say something? Yeah. How'd this movie do at the box office, Pap? Was it a bomb? Real bad. <laughs> real, real hey, bad. Real unfair. There's no way this made money. It's art. Okay, I won't say that his this bomb cost Colin Trevorrow the uh, 
the third um, Star Wars movie. I will. I will say. But that. I know what I sequence did, and it was some of the worst directing I've ever seen in my life. Um, the sequence of the tap dancing and her like oh, lining up the bad. shot was so horrifically done. It was like first of all ballet. What about the Rube Goldberg machine also going? <laughs> Dude. Going on behind Dude. her, <laughs> distracting so, like, her. Here's what drove me nuts. If you want to start the scene, like with them doing the tap dancing, ballet. Like, what do you? What do you keep saying ballet for? There's like a river dance tap dancing act. Dude, they're happening. river dancing. What the fuck are you talking about? The girl does. Are you ballet. talking about the main stepdaughter? No, no, no. no. There's, there's lots of acts. There's the kid who burps. There's a, the just kid a who raps. Eminem kid. Yeah. No, like, but specifically, when, Stevie is zeroing in on the tap dancing specifically. No, because here, here's what makes me angry. Yes. The only time you can intercut in between, like that sequence, like if you want to make it, like be like, okay, this is where the soundtrack is coming from. That's fine, but you can never go back to it because we don't know who the fuck these people are. The only time you can intercut like that is if we know them, if it's important to the story. You don't need to intercut again. It drove me insane. It's like, okay, why are we watching these kids again? We don't know them. We just Right, it goes back to them like five times. It goes back to them five times, and they're literally just a soundtrack, which is neat. It's a good trick. If you're going to show it at the beginning, that's fine. Don't intercut again because they have nothing to do with the story. Them tap dancing has nothing to do with the story, and we don't know who they are. You know, I was watching that moment, and I... <laughs> I stopped the movie and I. <laughs> it took me out every time they go back. I, I mean, it's not particularly the tap dancing for me. I get what you're saying, but I was just like kind of sinking in the absurdity of this. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, you ever like just try to like snipe your diddler neighbor who's also the police commissioner while taking cover in your kid's clubhouse and then accidentally there. set off a Rube Goldberg machine? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is it? <laughs> Listening to a podcast by your dead kid. Kind of awesome, right? It's just a lot, man. <laughs> that and like pictures unfolding behind you to make you change your mind to not commit murder. Yeah, what was that Rube Goldberg, Goldberg machine? Just a photo album in the end? <sighs> is, is that what the little kid was doing the entire time? You know, I think that's the mom's character arc, right? That's where she kind of realizes that uh no i can make adult decisions actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean she's not doing what hank is doing but she is also an abusive parent in which she's just like henry had way too much fucking responsibility in that household she, i don't think she needed to tell her boss that like i have to check with henry if i can set up direct deposit or not direct like, i don't think deposit? she had to say that <laughs> like what a menial like thing to delegate to your 11 year old son like yeah just you can put my check in my checking account why would she need to ask him weird even if she did she doesn't have to tell him that she has to ask him she's mm -hmm. telling us weird relationship dude if my oldest daughter was a financial genius you could get direct deposit on your own you should know a that, that that would be okay. It's pretty simple. It's like three lines. I, I, I agree <laughs> that I wouldn't tell my boss, oh, I need to ask Ellie before I <laughs> do this. Ellie. Your daughter? <laughs> They'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I can see like a parent taking direction from a child from this way. Like People have such different 
strengths and like if you do have a kid that's like weirdly financially above you you'd almost be stupid not to take their advice i'd argue she seems like she doesn't know what anything is like it's amazing that she knows how to drive because Mm -hmm. she doesn't know how has she been cashing her checks she's been going to the bank this entire fucking time her whole life Nobody does that. Only psychopaths still go to the bank and check a cash a paper check. It's insane. <laughs> hey, Naomi Watts' character is probably the only realistic character in this entire movie. You don't think the dreamy brain surgeon guy's realistic? Well, of course he's no, a brain Hank surgeon. is the most realistic person in this whole movie. <laughs> but like, you'd be like, that's one angle I wish they kind of pressed on more, which is. A parent that wasn't ready to be a parent and it shows. And I feel like we never got like a real full effect of that. See, yeah, you know, you're you're hitting on exactly like one of the things that I was thinking of the whole time I watched this, both times I watched this. Um and we talk about this all the time. A lot of times a movie what happens in a movie and what a movie's about are two different things. Right? And and we talked about this in Jurassic Park. Like Jurassic Park's about a dino DNA coming to life, the adventure. But like what the movie's about is getting over the fear of having kids, Mm -hmm. right? Which is like what another Colin Trevorrow movie, Jurassic World Dominion is such an abomination because, um, what's his name? Dr. Alan Grant. Sam Neill. Yeah. Alan Grant doesn't like have kids or whatever, right? Like his whole character arc in the first first movie is just destroyed. It ruins his character. I think (laughs) in the bones of this movie, it was supposed to be about like a mom who was left by her husband and like doesn't know how to function. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's like what is in the bones of this movie, right? Like she doesn't know how to pay the bills. She doesn't know how like how any of her finances work. She doesn't know how to like make money, basically. And in, in, in that lurch of like a woman who is like dependent on her husband and he leaves, like, but that doesn't even come across at all. Like, wh- like what is her arc? In this movie, she, her son has to die for her to like take care of herself. It it makes no sense. She beats Gears of War. That's what kind of drove me insane about this movie is Henry didn't have to die. Like even with his death, nothing was really learned. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Pap said earlier, what a movie's about and what a movie's actually about two different things. Like the Babadook is a hard movie for me to watch because the constant kid yelling, but it's really about a wife coming to grips with the death of her husband. What this movie is about is still something I'm having an issue with, because I still don't know what this movie's actually about. I think the casting may be a problem. I'm all for older actresses being cast, but this is Naomi Watts is in her late 40s at this time, and that doesn't seem like a woman that's going to be like caught out in life having to take care of a family. She should be a, like come across as like a young mom who's like in over her head, and when you look at Naomi Watts, I feel like she's a good mommy. Calm. Older. Good. Good. I don't know. Write stories. Great at the stories. Why Why is Henry's plan immediately just murder the police commissioner? Don't... You gotta murder him. It's the only way. Nah, <laughs> here's a DSLR camera, mom. Just take pictures. I know it's gonna be hard, but you gotta take pictures and here's photographic evidence. Just give it to... 
the fucking news stations. No, mom, here's a sniper rifle. You got to <laughs> practice five hours a day after work. And I want you to kill the police commissioner in our backyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's a $10,000 sniper rifle. Have fun. I was very fortunate in witnessing the mob buy guns illegally. And now we can do that same tactic. I got lucky that one day I <laughs> yeah. snuck into the gun store. Really worked out. Yeah. Like not to cinema sense this, but. It is a world where camera phones exist and all this is happening in plain sight. How is this the easiest path? Well, it's clearly not, right? Because she just kind of tells him that I'm going to go to the FBI. And he's like, oh, fuck, blows his head off. Like, that's it. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Is there no part of you guys that thinks that the point of the Book of Henry is for her to come to the conclusion she does come to? I do think it's the point. It's clearly what the movie's trying to tell us. Right. I don't think it is clearly trying to tell us that. <laughs> that was Hen- that was Henry's. <laughs> that was Henry's point. Kylo is what I'm saying. But he's dead. What? Hold on. Say again. Henry wrote the book. Not the book. to actually. Wrote book. He wrote the book. <laughs> he didn't mur- He didn't write it actually to murder Glenn. He wrote it to uh, get his mom to grow up. Uh, no signs of that in the movie. Not whatsoever. one sign <laughs> of no, this. No, Josh, you're, you're out Except of pocket Except for pal. how he's right every single time. So he knew that she was going to bump the Rube Goldberg machine and the pictures would make her change her mind. She's a real klutz. That his brother was setting up after he had died. See, that's the thing. He, the way she and him interact after he's dead is through these tapes yes. that she's listening to. <laughs> And it's too much, man. It's he, the craziest shit. Way she's, too much. He's like explaining, all right, now you walk up to the ATM machine. He's like, watch out. There's a car there. And she like stops or whatever the fuck. She goes <laughs> up to the ATM. He's like, there's a camera right here. And she looks. She's like, don't look at it. it it's too much. It's, it's that too often. And I think they realize it was that too often because they stop and they have him say something that doesn't match what she's doing. But it's too late. You already fucked it up. Like, you already mm-hmm. made it too precise. The kid is too perfect. We're going to walk through it together step by step. One little miscalculation and the whole thing fails. Let's start by stockpiling some cash from ATMs. Don't act all weird. The camera's behind that little glass square up top. Don't look good. Withdraw $500. How's that enough? I know it doesn't seem like enough, but if you hit another ATM right away, you can get around the daily limit. The next ATM's at Longbow and Swan. You're going to go right at the intersection. Your other right. That's supposed to be funny. And that's like, like, I'm looking at IMDb. It's a crime drama thriller. I think this movie thinks it's like a bit of a comedy, too. You know, because like all of that's supposed to be silly. You know, like all of those moments are supposed to be like goofy. Or like the little kid rapping right before she speeds off to go shoot the commissioner. They're distracted by the gangster rap of this eight-year-old. I'm going to go kill a man now. <laughs> I'm going to go kill him. It's like this movie's one part straight-up Hallmark movie. Levels of, like, tweed wholesomeness. And then the other part, like, one of the darkest fucking topics of a movie that you could ever have. Like, child death, child abuse. It's all over the place. I think there could have been a couple avenues, like, how this movie could have been successful. There's only one director, I think, that could have pulled this off. And I think he would have gotten it tonally correct. That's Wes Anderson. <laughs> I think Wes Anderson would have pulled this off hysterically in a very funny way. If it was going to be like a straight comedy or a black comedy, I think Wes Anderson could have pulled it off really well. The other way I think this movie could have been successful is if um, Henry wrote a book 
and had his mom like indirectly drive Hank insane just by doing things that like would only make sense to Hank but wouldn't make sense to the mom had she not seen him like molesting her molesting the daughter that could have been like one way it would have been somewhat palatable but the what we got was not it can you give an example I'm just having a hard time picturing what you're throwing down there I didn't write the goddamn movie, Josh. I don't know. No, you're you're rewriting. You write the book of Henry. I didn't write the book of Henry. You're trying to fucking rewrite it. So what's your rewrite? What if there was a quirk where before Hank walked into his daughter's room every time he did a super creepy whistle? God. And uh, Henry left a tape for his mom. Be like, hey, can you like whistle this when you're working the leaves? It reminds me of you. And like Hank would hear that. And he would just be like, how the fuck does she know that? Or like, where'd you hear that? That's some creepy Yellow King shit, Stevie. What the fuck, man? Carcosa. Or at least like have that be the way he's lured out. Yeah. He's lured out by like a whistle that they like pre-record and they tape to a tree on like a cassette deck. Yeah. But like, I was wondering like, why did he go outside for that? Yeah. Yeah. There's no fucking way I'm going outside if I hear some dickhead whistling like outside my door. I ain't going out there. (laughs) Whistle all day. I don't give a fuck. It hurt me with a whistle, motherfucker. See, Josh, <laughs> it makes sense. I feel like in LA, you got to hear people whistling outside your window like all the time. Everyone's whistling. They're right outside my window, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go out there with your gun. There's actually no crime at all. It's just street whistlers. It's nonstop. Yeah. Street whistlers and doo wop groups. <laughs> <laughs> with the rolled up cigarettes in their sleeves. Impossible to deal with. Standing over trash cans and fires. (laughs) I don't think you can pull this movie off with, like... The child abuse angle. Like, I think you could even, like, if Henry died and he found out, like, his neighbor was, like, a corrupt cop or, like, stealing and, like, that's the crime. That would have been so much better. That's palatable. I just, this is not palatable <laughs> as a story. Like, it just. Like, is so dark or what? I, yeah. It's just too much. The fear in Naomi Watts' eyes when she looks through the window, she looks like she's watching a murder. <laughs> It doesn't quite have, like, what I want from, like, a revenge movie, right? So, on one hand, like, me, I like those really dark movies. Like, I Saw the Devil or The Nightingale. I Saw the Devil's really good. Super heavy and just, like, awful and grimy and gross and usually have some very satisfying moments because they're, you know, revenge dramas or thrillers. And this movie has some of those elements and they're dark and that... That is what those elements are. But at the same time, it's kind of a sappy family movie at times. And, you know, sometimes it kind of wants to be cute and funny. And I don't think it lands for anyone that wants any of these genres. And I know sometimes movies will do like multiple genres and sometimes they work super well. But this isn't going to appease any like particular audience. Like the revenge, crazy, the drama, like the Ronnie from Wasted Potential loves those like dark movies like The Nightingale. It's not going to satisfy those people. And it's certainly not going to satisfy the Lifetime movie people. Make him do any other crime. Literally any other crime. Why does he have to be a child molester? 
And why does he keep his windows open? Like, for everyone to just peer in and see his crimes. He's so brazen about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what the fuck? Why can't Henry be the villain of this movie? I just put the poster in our, our chat. Like, did you know that there was some, like, grandma and grandpa who oh my took their kids in the movie theater? <laughs> yeah, that is just bizarre. Oh, people walked out of this movie. This looks like Treasure Planet or some shit. Like, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck I'm looking at here. This looks like the whole, most wholesome family movie you're going to see in 2017. I'm kind of glad that I went in totally blind. I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not glad that I picked this. <laughs> it's, been, it's been fun talking to you guys, but like... Still don't know why. I told you, I, did, I thought it would be so bad it's good. Maybe this is trying to capture like the bridge to Terabithia energy. Dude. Stevie brought dude, that up to me. Dude. That's so funny. That is one of the most abrupt, like... Tone shift changes in a movie I'd ever seen in a kid's movie. That was a wild, like, tonal change. And story change as well. I brought that up to Pat today. I was like, it's a lot like British Terabithia. <laughs> what happens in that? The kid dies in that one? Yeah. Right? The, his best friend is dead. And he's using Terabithia to cope with her death. And we get this crazy, like, shift change from, like, being in Terabithia to, like, him being at her funeral. And I'm not saying, like, a kid's movie can deal with dark themes. What was that movie, Stevie, where, like, Liam Neeson played a tree? When a monster calls. Yeah. Like, you can do heavy topics. What do you mean by a tree? He plays a big tree. Is a tree like a... An ent. Is a tree a euphemism for, like, a man that stalks the night looking for a black person to kill? <gasps> the switch. <laughs> <laughs> is that what a tree is? I... I'm just yeah, I'm going to Google that. Uh, <laughs> Urban Dictionary. A.K.A. a tree. <laughs> yeah, Josh. That's. <laughs> but that movie pulled off its tone better than the Book of Henry, even with the racial overtone. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have any final thoughts? I'm going to scroll through to see if there's anything that I didn't bring up. Anything I didn't cover, though? The one, there's a fine balance between like trying to go for like sappy, like tear jerking porn and also like a movie that doesn't do that, but also doesn't have to show really dark storylines for absolutely no reason. Um, so I'm happy we didn't get a sappy movie, but also not thrilled that we got like a thriller pederast revenge movie. I don't know. It was really weird. What's a pederast, Steve? <laughs> Eight-year-olds, dude. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Tony. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a question for you guys about this in the final thoughts area. What's the purpose of Lee Pace? <laughs> Is that the doctor? The Hobbit's Lee Pace? Yeah. Legolas's dad is in this movie. He doesn't seem like a real person in any way, shape, or form. It, that feels like a Hallmark movie, like yeah. straight up, like that whole, his introduction. In that he's a perfect guy? Yeah, he's great with the kids. He's like seven feet tall. He's fucking handsome as shit. He's a neurosurgeon. <laughs> he's gay. <laughs> no, he's not gay. He, he came from the big city. He wants to stay in Christmas He's town. from the big city, but he wants to settle down now. And he can only inherit it if he gets married before midnight. Such a good note, Kylo. I don't. That character is insane in this movie, for as much as I've been defending the movie. Do you think he's going to find out about her 
nearly killing the police commissioner if they get close enough. <laughs> like her nearly committing. He finds the book of Henry. <laughs> so here's what I thought was going to happen in this movie. Right. So we're getting no- towards the end where we know that Naomi Watts has committed to killing her neighbor. Like there's no other way. Like the cops won't do anything. CPS won't do anything. She has to kill him. So that's what she believes. So what I thought was going to happen is she goes there to try to kill him and things go wrong. But also Lee Pace follows her. Right. So things go wrong. Mm. She doesn't shoot uh, Hank from Breaking Bad or maybe she does and misses. And Hank gets violent with her and there's like a struggle and then Lee Pace shows up and he finds out what's going on and he helps her. And then Hank from Branky Bad gets killed and it's kind of like them standing over his body. A more typical movie would do that. So I don't know if I want to give this movie credit or not, but it didn't do the exact thing I thought it was going to do. That's for sure. Is he just a red herring then? Okay, maybe. I think he's just a doctor. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he's just a doctor he's not a red herring he's a doctor, a doctor. <laughs> he doesn't have red hair how could he yeah. be a red herring fucking idiots this isn't nom josh there are rules he comes to tell the little brother that he also has brain cancer <laughs> like, <laughs> hey little buddy like, why is he at the talent show what does that add to the movie why would he be there? he wants to bang naomi that is weird yeah he should not be there doesn't usually make house calls but that ass is fat so (laughs) (laughs) you good your kid good cool how we doing uh, let's go have a drink out back when the neighbor girl was doing her ballet for the talent show you know it's very impressive of course and it's during a key moment in the movie when naomi watts decides not to take the shot uh but it kept reminding me part of it is the backdrop of it's always sunny (laughs) when mac comes out and, like, he does his, like, dance for everyone, his, like, interpretive ballet dance. And Frank's like, I get it now. <laughs> I kept thinking back to that. There was a lot of stuff while I was watching this I kept thinking back to. Like, I thought I was going to go home alone for a minute. I thought that's what they were setting up in the beginning. Pranks. Yeah. Could have used more pranks. That would have been fun. Kylo, you do realize that ballet literally saves the day. The plot point that the ballet dance by oh, the stepdaughter... That was- so it's dumb. so moving to the principal <laughs> that she finally makes call the in, call. Boys. In. She realizes this, this is girl it. has been abused. No one dances with that much pain. There's no denying this. Show him the tape. <laughs> you see the tears? So adamant about needing needing evidence. I need definitive proof in order to make an accusation like that. This girl danced her heart out. I need definitive, <laughs> hard, concrete proof. And then you show her the most like fluffy highfalutin art form of proof possible she's like i'm convinced there can be no other answer (laughs) (laughs) which is also a huge problem with the movie because nothing that happens in the last 45 minutes actually fucking matters she would have done that dance either way and then the principal would have called it in and then he probably still would have killed himself like nothing with the book of henry is relevant when he sees the the cops outside that's what makes him do that but what a bizarre were you guys expecting him to kill himself did you guys see that coming just the flash no. in the in the hallway i did after i saw the cop cars pull up i was like i bet he blows his head off <laughs> such, such a, again who is this movie for like you cannot take your grandpa and gram, grandma and grandpa taking the, taking the kids to see this movie at the movie theater i'm gonna trick an old person into watching this 
When I see <laughs> when I see a distant relative Jesus. on Facebook asking for a good movie recommendation on Netflix, I'm gonna comment with a poster of this movie. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> you guys know this happened, though, right? Some grandparents like took their grandson visiting like down in Florida to see this movie. They have the Book of Henry popcorn yeah, special bowl. Special and then, like, holder. you know, when Maddie Ziegler yeah. comes on the screen, the grandpa's like, she's cute, huh? And like the grandson's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then, like 20 minutes later, the grandpa's like, all right, we got to leave. Uh, that's not what I meant. It looks like that Radio Flyer movie. <laughs> oh, shit. Radio Flyer. Now, that's a good fucking example, bro. Radio Flyer does everything right that this movie does not do. Question for you guys. Is it a better movie if Naomi Watts shoots him? What? I... Why are we there? <laughs> How does it get to that point? Why does she have a Fortnite sniper rifle? Like... She's got a blue gun. She's got a blue sniper rifle, Josh. She just picked out whatever the... she had in the game, right? She's like... I use this one in Gears of War. I'm an expert. That was her training. That's why she's such a good shot. I have one last final note, Pappy. Yeah. One thing that I find pretty disturbing about this movie is that Henry, he's he's the main character of the movie. Book of Henry. It's about Henry. It's his genius. It's his plan. Even after he dies, he's still talking and voicing over after he dies. But his last week and a half of life spent completely consumed with committing murder and it's really dark if you think about it he's 11 and he's just like completely engulfed sneaking out of the hospital at night writing notes recording into the tape player instructions for his mom yeah just a real dark turn don't listen to him. That's the tumor talking. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's the tumor talking. And the, the little brother is aware that Henry wants the mom to kill the neighbor. So if that neighbor did end up dead, that little kid is going to be fucked up knowing that his mom murdered a man. <laughs> I mean, Jeez. he should feel weird because his brother had such murderous intent in the last week of his life. Well, Henry's always right, right? And so everyone, that's the way oh, he's perceived. Yeah, I guess. Henry's God. <laughs> I, I did like this touch legitimately that like even the bullies, like they respect him. Like they kind of like pick on his brother and other kids like on their bus and whatever. But they say to Henry, well, at least you're smart. This kid is worthless. And it kind of made me think of being a little kid like that where intelligence was valued up until like middle school and high school where like being dumb was cool in a weird way, at least in the area I went. But I liked that the other kids kind of like, you know, respected him because he was like smart. Dude, I think he's fucked some of them up in different ways in the past. We need to see that though. We need to see Henry being dark. It's all about the implication. <laughs> like, oh, you don't mess with Henry because, you know, he'll fucking get you. Like, he'll write a book about you. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many books of henry's he's got all the different colors we just read the red one so far there's yeah. all these different notebook colors in the in the bin you ever see that movie green book it's a, about a book of henry <laughs> i was kind of pissed off how they showed how we, our introduction to henry i thought that was kind of weak what was the introduction to henry i don't even remember they were given the the class talks about your legacy and you know, Henry kind of has that general malaise that only the, you know, genius possess and the insane lament. 
but um he uh <laughs> jeez cvd <laughs> that was deep dude it's, it's, not, it's a dr evil quote all right <laughs> but um I thought it was niche no, that's during the family therapy scene. It's my favorite Austin Powers scene. But, um, it's good, yeah. The details of his life are, are quite inconsequential. <laughs> my father had the sort of general malaise that only the genius possessed the insane lament. But, um, <laughs> now that's a film. <laughs> that is a film. Let's but, go. Like, Pat, you know those tweets I hate by like my three-year-old just said this? And it's some, like, oh, yeah. profound bullshit thing. Or, you know, my four-year-old just said this. That's what Henry's introduction was to me. It was like, you know, life is pointless. We're all in a floating rock in space. Just shut the fuck up with your head down and try your best. I hated that. I wish Henry just seemed kind of indifferent towards it. We don't, like, really get a glimpse of his genius until later. Yeah, I mean, we we see him trading stocks before we really understand, like, what this kid is about. So it's kind of weird to see him do that. It's like, yeah, yeah, two points off this, two points off that. I'm like, what the fuck? Is he like giving Nintendo power tips? Why is he on a payphone? Does this movie take place in the 90s? Like, what's going on? Is there still payphones around, you know? Uh, the last thing I have to say about this is that I it's on Netflix. So I went to watch it on Netflix at my office. And for some reason, the quality was fucked up. And I checked my internet. I watched another movie on Netflix and it was fine. And I was like, why is this one so fucked up and blurry? I came home and decided to watch it at home on Netflix and it was still fucked up and blurry. So I rented it on Amazon <laughs> to get a clear picture. Do you, did you guys have that problem? Was it like blurry as if it was like still buffering? I watched it on Amazon. I don't have Netflix anymore. Was it fine on Amazon then? Yeah. It looked like it was shot on film on my TV. So I don't know. It definitely was shot on film, but yeah. I, the quality difference for me between Amazon and Netflix was huge, and other Netflix things were fine. So I don't know what the fuck was going on. They don't want you to watch this anymore. Another reason not to watch the movie. <laughs> uh, three quick final thoughts that I had. Um, first one, there's just a part of me that thinks if this was like a Korean film that came out in like the 70s, people on Letterboxd would tell me this movie's genius. <laughs> I just I just believe that in my heart of hearts. Um, second final thought, Michael Giacchino did the music uh, of Ratatouille and Up. Oh my fame. god. So a really, really weird choice there. And the last one, I was just doing some clicking around on IMDb, and I went in a rabbit hole. Uh, Greg Hurwitz, who, who wrote the script 20 years before the movie came out, he also, this is so, this is so funny. I'm not making this up. He also has a movie called The Rise of Jordan Peterson. Oh boy. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I clicked on it. This is the top build cast, according to IMDb. Greg Hurwitz as himself. Ethan Klein as himself. What? Jordan Peterson as himself. And Adolf Hitler. Oh, as what himself. the fuck? They got Hitler? You know, all the budget went to Hitler. <laughs> So, I don't know what's happening. That will not be a future spoilers pick. Uh, let's get into yes or no. Stevie, don't be too mad at me. I didn't know what I was picking. Uh, but what did you give the book of Henry? Uh, in the immortal words of uh, Lieutenant Jim Dangle, um, what the fuck, man? Uh, this is not a uh, movie I will ever watch again. 
I don't think there's any upside to watching this movie. Even if you're like in the Emmy Watts Die Hard for some odd reason or the <laughs> paces your your speed and your jam. Um, still a, a no then. This movie wasn't painful to watch, Pap. It was just an absurd watch. And am I happy I saw it? No. Could I have gone on life with, on life without knowing it ever existed? Yes. Yeah, this is a hard no, dog. I don't think there's very many redeeming qualities. I will say Maddie Ziegler did really well in this movie. This was her uh, first movie. And um, who's the main kid, Henry? Is it Jacob Martell? Is that his name? Tremblay? It's like Jaden. Jaden Martell. Jacob Tremblay? Um, Jacob Tremblay and Jaden yeah, Martell. Yeah, that's uh, I think they, did, they were fine. It's just a really, really poorly developed script. And not a very well-executed film. So I gotta give this a hard no, dog. I'll go next. I'll get this out of the way. It's a no. But in a weird way, I'm almost glad that I watched it. And I I could not, I physically could not have watched this movie without hearing you guys like clown on it and talk about it. Like, this is why I need spoilers in my life to be able to like just talk about how absurd. <laughs> like, it's not, like I said, when I was reading like the letterbox comments of like people I trust, they made it sound like it was like almost had to be seen to be believed so bad it's good. It's not that for me. Because like, when I think of a so bad, it's good. It's a very specific thing in my mind. But this is truly like one of the most bizarre movies I've ever seen. And that all comes from just the tone of the movie. I, I would even go as far as to say like all of the below the line stuff in this movie is really good. Like There are a couple of shots that are like legitimately pretty and like could almost be in a Wes Anderson film. Like I'm thinking about when she has like the car pulls up to the school like it's just blocked and framed in such like a thoughtful way but it's like why is Colin Trevorrow spending all of his mental capital on that and not just like fixing this ridiculous fucking story and it's I don't know it's weird because too when you look at Colin Trevorrow's career like he was gonna make a Star War he made two a, a not good in a very bad Jurassic Park movie. Like, he's just been kind of like this Hollywood big IP bitch. And this is his chance to try and go out and, like, do his own thing and make something different. And it just fell flat, flat on his face. Truly, truly bizarre. Corey. Yo, it's Corey, Kylo Ren memes. You know, this is the exact kind of movie that I love to hear Stevie sink his teeth into. So I kind of know what you mean, Pappy. Like, yeah. it's really great to hear Stevie talk about a movie like this. It's really fun. Uh, you know, as a spoilers fan before I was a member, I love listening to this kind of thing. So uh, this has been fun. But I don't like this movie. You know, it is a no. I guess it's nice to see Sarah Silverman of Rent fame not <laughs> doing blackface. So that was cool. But there's not a lot going on here. <laughs> at best, this movie's forgettable. And at worst, it's just a bad movie. And it's the kind of thing that I don't think anyone rewatches because they like the movie um, genuinely. Like, I don't think there's anyone out there, or very few people maybe, that just put it on because, yeah, they like it. They think it's a good movie. I really enjoy this. No, it doesn't fucking happen. 
It's because this movie isn't for anyone. It's a weird one, man. It exists in a weird place. And it's not Birdemic. It's not The Room. It's just not quite a movie. <laughs> so it's a no from me. Josh? Hello, Josh from Goshen here. Um, I just got to say the like child death and the child dynamics really did get to me. I feel like my older daughter is a little precocious. Like if something bad happened to my wife, I could see myself relying on her a lot and her like weirdly being like able to do a bunch of shit. And I just, I, I like how the movie explores how like, in a most extreme way, how that kind of dynamic could play out. Um, definitely some swings and misses with this film. You guys have pointed a lot of them out. Um, but I've been given a lot of soft yeses, Pap, lately. <laughs> but this is going to be a strong yes. <laughs> I, Dude, you are so full of it sometimes. I don't. I love Josh. I don't like vouch for this director, but like this is the kind of movie that's like so bizarre. I'm not. I don't know. I was just like in for the ride, and the fact that it's for no one as a piece of art, I think is kind of like admirable. That it's not. Like, oh, this is a movie that's, like, the most marketable for the box office. Like, I I think that's a good thing. And it doesn't always come out in the most clean ways. And not everything about this movie is perfect by any means at all. But I enjoyed watching a lot of scenes. And I enjoyed the fact that I, like, I truly felt like I did go through an emotional ride with the family and the death and um sorry Gosh guys loves the I, death i was just I, I was in it for this they, and one last little note the year before this movie came out there's this podcast it was just six episodes it's called life after slash the message and it's this little six-parter they're just like half an hour each and it's about a guy who um, is I don't want to give too much of a way, but basically he's listening to the service in his headphones of old messages from his wife. And the messages start being played in a way that like has meaning to it. And it kind of goes from there. It's a sci-fi thing. It's maybe kind of a cooler version of this movie. But anyway, both <laughs> yeses for this movie and Life After. Check them out. I will say I was never bored watching the Book of Henry. Not not even close to being bored. But Josh, you never cease to amaze me. I never know what you're gonna say, Mikey. Um, this is a, a certainly one of the weirder movies I've ever seen. And uh, we've mentioned that like it looks good. Like there's certainly a budget. Like they have real locations no there's no bullshit that you would associate with a a low budget crappy movie i guess other than this insane plot but 
if anybody tells you that this is like one of their favorite movies, just back away slowly because that person is unhinged. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> where they're coming 77 from. 77 fans of Letterboxd yeah. are out of control. <laughs> Uh, this movie was just, I, I think if, I think if I went to a theater and I had kids or something and I paid money for this, I'd be asking for money back because I would be like, what the fuck did I just let my kids, what, what did I just expose my kids to that I was not expecting today? And I'd be pretty upset about that. Uh, but it is just going all over the place, up and down, uh, in tone, in, its subject matter and how it wants to portray itself. Uh, you got kids doing funny, goofy stuff. The mom's fun and goofy. And then she's holding a sniper rifle aimed at Dean Norris's chest uh, <laughs> at the end of the movie. Just a wild, wild script that I think needs a lot of revision. Uh, but I, it's it's not a good movie. It's going to be... It's going to be... Uh! It's a no. It's ah! only gonna be a it's, it's only <laughs> yeah. gonna be a yes under the circumstances that you go into it totally blind, not knowing anything, and then you listen to this podcast because I I went into this blind not knowing anything about it and I had I was like, I don't know where this movie's going every fifteen minutes. I was just baffled at every next turn. <laughs> uh it's certainly a wild one and I wouldn't even know what to categorize it under. Uh, certainly not a family movie. Uh, but IMDb says crime, drama, thriller. The poster's going <laughs> to throw you way off. And the cast is a little weird for what it's trying to trying to get across as well. So it's a no. It's the weirdest of no's is all I can say. I don't <laughs> know what else to say <laughs> about that. <laughs> so that's one yes four nose is there even any food in this movie is this brownie splattered on naomi watts's apron <laughs> yeah that's, it. that's the winner man it's the it's the hamburger naomi watts puts her thumb in <laughs> when she's about to quit her job or whatever so like i said at the beginning of the pod though this is the return of the movie game so i made a little game called the book of pappy the order will be stevie Corey, josh mikey in order of most the least recent host We've done a similar game before. I may have actually done this exact game before. I don't remember, but it's like a it's an over under type game. So we'll, we'll build on the answers. It'll make more sense. But basically, I'm going to give you two books. You have to tell me which one has more words. More words. This is according to the internet, so I guarantee that none of these are accurate. But but there will be a winner nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll go by whoever gets the most right. There should be an even number, if I did my math right. Um, in the event of a tie, I do have a, a tiebreaker closest to. Man. So, Stevie, understand the rules? Which you one has it? more words? Sure. Which one has more words? Okay. And I did randomize these. Stevie, Brett Staunch Classic, 1984, or Infinite Jest? I think Infinite Jest was like a pill to get through for people. I'll say Infinite Jest. Correct, yeah. 1984 has 66,000 words. Corey, Infinite Jest or Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows? <gasps> Deathly Hollows was like one of those big-ass ones that uh, <laughs> they got 
two movies out of that motherfucker. So I'm, I'm going to say that one. Hey, Deathly Hallows. <sighs> I'm sorry. What? Infinite Jest has 577,000 words. It is a massive book. Yeah. Josh, The Deathly Hallows or The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn? Which one has more? More words. Kylo's right. That was like the biggest, fattest Harry Potter, which, let's be honest. I thought Order of the Phoenix was. I think, boy. Wait, which one's the last one? I don't know. I stopped after Goblet. Deathly Hallows was a two-part movie, though. Yeah. I'm just saying, most Americans have read two books, and Harry Potter's be one of them. That's <laughs> gotta be the longest. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, Harry Potter has 198,000 words. I don't suppose you have any Dragonlance books in there. <laughs> I okay. don't. And no, I got, sorry, I wish I would have remembered. Shit in this one. <laughs> Mikey, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn or Dune? Uh, I'll say Dune. That would be right. Huck Finn at 109,000 words. Stevie, Dune or Catcher in the Rye? Kill John Lennon. Kill John Lennon. Oh, you're phony for that. What does that have to do with Catcher in the Rye? <laughs> I'll say Dune. As more words? As more words than Catcher in the Rye, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Dune has 181,000 words. Ooh. Uh, so, Corey, <laughs> you missed one. Still in the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still in the game. Catcher in the Rye or Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? Ooh, one I have read. I'm going to go with the one I've read, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I actually almost used that in my book answer at the very beginning because it is amazing. I love it. Frankenstein is the doctor, right? Or the monster? I was good that. <laughs> it's confused. the fucking doctor. Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> you, and, and cultured swine. <laughs> you're, you're correct. Yeah, catching the riot, 61,000 words, by the way. So, yeah, I'm going to give you the previous one. It's kind of a, a frame of reference. So, Frankenstein had more. Josh... Frankenstein or A Tale of Two Cities? Hi. I've not read Frankenstein, but I did real, read Tale of Two Cities, and that seemed real long. I'll say that. You're correct. Yeah, Frankenstein at 75,000 words. Let's go. Mikey, Tale of Two Cities or Don Quixote? Ooh. Uh, I feel like Don Quixote is a short story or something. So I'll say Tale of Two Cities. Uh, wait, uh, I'm sorry, Mikey. Uh, Tale of Two Cities is pretty long, 139,000 words. Stevie, Don Quixote or The Hobbit? I feel like that print was real small back in the day. Think about how many movies it got, though. It's true. <laughs> Too many. I'll say The Hobbit. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Don Damn. Quixote at 345,000 words. The second Damn. longest one. It's like the so longest long. shit of all time. <laughs> That's got to be the biggest one ever, yeah. Corey, The Hobbit or A Christmas Carol? Christmas Carol. Ooh, I'm sorry. The Hobbit is longer at 95,000 nah. words. Okay. Am I out? Josh? No, no, no. You're still Christmas in. Carol. Let's go through all of these. Yeah. Christmas Carol or The Return of the King? That book was so long it made me quit reading it in high school. Return of the King. Gotta be. You're right. Christmas Carol pretty short at 30,000 words. Mikey, The Return of the King 
or Indiana native Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five? Uh, Return of the King. Correct. 137,000 words for Return of the King. Just think about how many endings there are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stevie, Slaughterhouse Five or To Kill a Mockingbird? I'll say it's To Kill a Mockingbird. Correct, yeah. 50,000 words for Slaughterhouse Five. Corey, To Kill a Mockingbird or The Great Gatsby? Great Gatsby. Correct. 100,000 words for To Kill a Mockingbird. It's pretty long. Up, Damn. Up there on this list. Josh, The Great Gatsby or Moby Dick? Great Gatsby was a thick boy. Was uh, who? I thought that was a short wrote Thick boy? Who wrote Moby Dick? It's not Herman Joseph Conrad. Is Herman Melville. I just watched Matilda. Herman Melville. F. Scott Fitzgerald. I barely know him. <laughs> <laughs> I love those jokes. <laughs> I think Moby Dick's much shorter. I'll go with the other one. The Great Gatsby? Yeah, yes. Uh, that's incorrect. Damn. Great Gatsby. Pretty, what Gatsby? Pretty short boy, 47,000 words. Like, yeah, Josh called it a thick boy. I was surprised. Took me a whole school year to get through it. That's what I got from never reading that. Uh, Mikey? Moby Dick? Or Brave New World? Mm. I think Moby Dick. That's correct. Yeah, Moby Dick's insanely long. 209,000 words, and like 150,000 of those are describing how to clean a whale after you kill Man stuff. Is there like a shorter version of it? Yes, there is. I could have sworn I read it, and it wasn't like that. Hmm. Moby. Stevie, this is a good one for you. The Brave, or sorry, Brave New World or The Stand? Ugh. Stephen King can't get pretty long of the tooth. I'll say The Stand. Correct. Yeah. Brave New World, pretty short. 84,000 words. Corey, The Stand or Alice's Adventures in Wonderland? The Stand. Correct. Yeah, The Stand is 471,000 words. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's insanely big. A lot of them's talking about Maine. Poems ain't beating that one. Josh? I'll say Alice's The Stand. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland? Al- Josh, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland <laughs> or the King James Bible? The King James Bible. <laughs> Correct, yeah. 82,000 for Alice. That one is really Mikey. in his wheelhouse, you know. They'll show. <laughs> the holiest on the pod. Mikey, the Bible or Little Women? <laughs> <laughs> the holy fucking uh, Bible. Hey. Uh, that's Mr. Uh, Holy fucking Bible to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say the Bible. Yeah, the Bible, 783,000 words, uh, the longest on this list. Stevie, Little Women or the Grapes of Wrath? <sighs> I just remember reading Little Women in elementary school, and it was little little book, little print. Little Timothy Chalamet. Um... Oh, Timmy Chalamet. Fucking shit. Um, I like the way Steinbeck writes, though. Very off the cuff. Ah, yeah. I'll say grapes. I'm sorry. Little Women is damn. Uh, 183,000 words. Very thick boy. Corey, coming down close to the end here. Corey, the grapes of wrath. The grapes of wrath or Watership Down. Watership. 
Mm, Grapes of Wrath. I don't know longer. that book, actually. I just picked it. It sounded long. Bunnies that murder bunnies isn't longer? No, Grapes of Wrath, 169,000 words. Nice. Josh, Watership Down or It? Hmm. Watership Down is about bunnies, Stevie? What the hell? Mm-hmm. Hairs that murder hairs, How bro. long it's is it? It's a movie, it? too, right? Would you say... I mean, it's bloody, it's gory, it's <laughs> scary. Oh, it's pretty man. bloody. It haunted me as a kid. I'll say it. No idea. Yeah, you're correct. Watership Let's down. 156,000 words of bunnies killing bunnies. Can I interject something real it, quick? 985,000 words. It is an audiobook that I listen to. Now, most Dragonlance books I listen to are about 15 hours. It is 44 hours. Damn. Jesus. What a lazy son of a bitch that Corey just listened to books. <laughs> Pappy read it. I read it. I did read it. And it was, it's like when you saw Saw, I read it. It was very fun. Did you see the, uh, the poster for Saw 10, by the way? Dude, Saw Patrol Weekend is going to be big. Saw cuts through time. I think there's a time traveling element. <laughs> oh, let's go. Uh, Mikey, it or the Scarlet Letter? Oh, the Scarlet Letter. I remember not reading that and uh, making a little pictogram <laughs> flipbook in my book <laughs> in uh, like seventh or eighth grade. <laughs> Good use of your time. Oh, God, I hated that book. Um, I will say it is longer, even though both, or, I mean, even though Scarlet Letter is a fucking bore. You'd be correct. Yeah, it. Nice. 445,000 words. Um, so this is the last round, last one for each. Just do a quick strike count. Corey, you have one, two, three strikes. Stevie, I thought it was how many we got right. One, two. It's easier to count this way. It's all the same. Stevie has two but strikes. But it's backwards from what you said. Okay, I can go the other way. Josh, you have... Josh, have you gotten them all right? I thought I missed one. Oh, yeah, you missed one. You missed Moby Dick. Yes. One strike. And Mikey, you have one strike. So it's anybody's game. Mikey and Josh are tied. Everyone's pulling for them. Longest on the schneid. Corey, you've been eliminated, but we'll still let you guess. And Stevie, you could still win. Um, it's up to you. So you're, you're up, Stevie. It's The Scarlet Letter or War and Peace? War and Peace. That's correct. Scarlet Letter. Pretty short, 88,000 words. No hesitation. Corey, War and Peace? It's so long. Or Catch-22? Oh, the ska band? Um, War and Peace. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Correct, yeah. Over half a million words for War and Peace. Wow. Almost 600,000. Hey, quick trivia. TMNT has taught Mm -hmm. me anything. I've read Catch-22, and I also tried to read War and Peace. Mm. This Russian novel. So, Josh, since you asked, Stevie's gotten five right, you've gotten six right, and Mikey has gotten six right. It all comes down to this. Josh, which has more words? Catch-22 or our boy, Germs, A Dance with Dragons? Definitely Dance with Dragons. You're correct. Yeah. Uh, Catch-22, 174,000 words. Mikey, 
to stay in the game. Let's go, Mikey. A Dance with Dragons or The Life of Pi? Dance with Dragons. Correct. <gasps> yeah, Dance with Dragons with 414,000 nice. words. Life of Pi with 100,000 words. So it comes down to this. A closest two between the two guys who have been on the schneid the longest. Let's go. Mikey has the advantage of guessing second, but this might be more in Josh's wheelhouse. I've given you guys a lot of context. So over the Game of Thrones, Clash of Kings, Storm of Swords, Feats for Crows, Dance with Dragons, over the five A Song of Ice and Fire books released so far, how many words oh, geez. are in those books? Holy shit. Oh my gosh. Josh? How many are, how many are there released right now? Just remind me. Although I- five. Oh, God. Five books. What a depressing fucking only question, ever be five first of all. George R. R. Martin <laughs> dies. <laughs> yep. I'm going to do some simple math. Oh, no. Okay. You could show your work. It's better podcasting if you do. I'm going to say 666,000. 666. <laughs> the number of the beast. Mikey? Good luck, Mikey. Well earned, uh, mate. Well, Matt, I'll, I'll good say, luck. Uh, <laughs> I wish you the best. <laughs> I'll say three million. Oh, no. Three million? Wait, um, how many was in that? Wait, what was in Book of Ice and Fire? Okay. What did you say there? Was that the... Uh, oh, no. Yeah, oh, no way. Hold on. I just got to see who's closer. It's math. Um... Someone say something. I don't know why I didn't do that. Mikey, how about you just take this one and I'll take the next one? You know? It's so close. Josh, I thought your guess was terrible considering A Dance with Dragons had 414,000 words, but you narrowly, narrowly, narrowly edged out Mikey because in A Song of Ice and Fire, there are 1.736 million <laughs> words. Damn. It's only taken him 55,000 years to write those many words. <laughs> so, Josh, you win. You'll get to pick the next movie after the Spoiler Man break. Awesome. Special thank you to our patrons, Matt Troll. Isn't it just comfort food to stave off existential crisis? Brother Brian. You just deleted last month. Druid King. Pick up a bad habit or something. Gambling. Bows. Get hammered. Rob a bank. Nick. It seems we have an antithetical relationship, but we're just behaving towards each other the opposite of how we really feel. The Meg. Listen, I need you to handle something for me. Nurse Stacy. Mom has a two-headed baby. The Wolf. Obviously, if you're listening to this, I'm not around anymore. Barky 420. Glenn. Mr. Sickleman. PK. Line your body up with the rifle to reduce recoil. Spencer. On or off? Off. Open or close? Open. Gale. Number two? Swole. Shit, Hank, why'd you have to go and do this? 
Cheese Zombie. You have to ask your 11-year-old? 12. He's almost 12. Sebastian. Our legacy isn't what we write on our resume or how many commas we have in our bank account. Dr. Lars. It's who we're lucky enough to have in our lives and what we can leave them with. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Be sure to check out Corey's podcast, Big Dumb Movie. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. Leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Spoilers is now available on Audible. And we're back. Josh was teasing his pick. He said it's way off the radar. What do you got, Josh? Oh, man. Guys, this is a pick that I've wanted to do since the very beginning of Spoilers. It kind of has to do with even the name of the podcast, Spoilers. And weirdly, it's not a movie. Um, we were talking about It a little bit earlier. Do you guys remember when we covered It? That's actually That was actually mm-hmm. a TV show, remember? Yeah, the TV Uh-oh. miniseries. I hosted that one. Classic episode. <sighs> Great episode. So we could throw some weird media in like that every once in a while, right? What are you going to do? Seasons one through oh, nine boy. of Friends. Oh, I quit. <laughs> I would quit. <laughs> You're weirdly close, Corey. No this way. Is, no. This is like something I've been wanting to try as a prototype. It's called Spoilers. I want to take just mm. the last episode. It's called The Finale of Seinfeld. It's 56 minutes. We'll watch it and talk about it. The finale by uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David. What do you guys think, boys? That sounds amazing. I was just watching Curb Your Enthusiasm and they were like making fun of it and they did the reunion to make up for it. So let's see what it's about. That's part of the greater Larry David uh, CU. See you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like midpoint of the Larry David see you. This is like the end game um, yeah. experience, the finale. So it's like pretty Pebby, peak. Then. You good with this non movie? I'm I'm good with yeah. it. I'm Mikey. Did you're... Larry come back for the finale? Of I don't remember. I don't remember. We'll yeah. see. I'm just curious. Mikey's reaction. His Avi is Jerry Seinfeld in the Skype call. I haven't watched an episode of Seinfeld in probably like three years, so I'm down. I've always, I'm always down to rewatch an episode or rewatch the whole thing. I would totally be down. Nice. Happy before you toss it out. I feel like the mm. the finale of Seinfeld is classically known as pretty bad episode, so there might be a lot of no's, and that's fine. But I think we can also treat it as almost like uh, our homage to Seinfeld. I don't know how often we're going to do Seinfeld episodes here on Spoilers, so I'm really looking forward to it. I can almost guarantee this will be the only one, but <laughs> we'll have to wait and see who wins trivia on that episode. If I win trivia, the pirate shirt episode of Seinfeld. We just go out of order for every season. Can't wait to do the race. 
I would just like to say, yeah, thank you for listening. I'm sure if you're listening, you probably haven't seen The Book of Henry. If, if you are like us and saw it and felt like you needed to listen to someone talk about it, welcome. Thank you to all our patrons once again. And that was Spoilers. We finally have a blackout passion two coming down the pike. Let's go. <laughs> Hope they bring back the devil pappy baby. I cannot it's a miracle. wait. <laughs> Jesus revenge. <laughs> what is it about? It's called the resurrection. I think Jesus like comes back to like get revenge on the homies that got him. I would play be- that ghetto boy song. I mean, well, I guess what does that bad. <laughs> what does happen in the Bible? Does, if the movie is literally just about him going back and talking to disciples, and there's not a bunch of brutality and torture to it, I will give it props. The Easter Bunny comes and rolls away the stone. Josh, you're such a boring Christian. You don't want Jesus murking I, people on film? I need my Jesus. I want Fashion Jesus heads. jacked. What if I want him Mel- wait his that? Mel I coming out of the rock. Back. Mel Gibson, Mel, do unto others he, he as others would do unto you. What? <laughs> <laughs> if they're going to kill me, I'm going to kill them. Mel Gibson should like a they're biblically accurate my ass. revelation. That'd be kind of cool. Well, he has to complete the, the trilogy of the Book of <laughs> Just Mormon. Just goes then. straight to Revelation. Yeah. Just skips everything. The biblically accurate angels. Holy oh, the shit. eyeballs with wings. Yeah. What now, Josh? Just this thumbnail someone made that's getting hyped for it. Fucking cracks my shit up. Post it. <laughs> Post it. I am. I'm putting it on the Skype. I mean, is yeah. this he, like? Would it even be called the Passion Two, or would it just be called like? <laughs> oh. Why do they have him? In the Let's fucking go. <laughs> Let's go. My ass is in the seats. Highest grossing independent movie of all time. Passion of the Christ. Still. I think so. Well, we talk an about honor that? that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie once held, so, you know, that's just quality for you. That is I watched that new that. one today. That one was pretty funny. It's sick, right? Yeah, it was pretty good. The one with uh, Seth Rogen? Yeah. Is it good? Kylo. Yeah, it's I funny, I finally dude. just saw mm-hmm. the 2014 one with Will Arnett. That that one is from, not good. Smartless. Dude, oh, did you see the second happen. one, Josh, with Casey Jones? No, I did. I will. Oh, Dude, look that? how they massacred my boy. They fucked him <laughs> up. <laughs> look what they've done to my boy. We ready? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to put a slight denoiser on my track. Test, test, to test. Let me actually, let me get my audio city up and running. Test, test, to test, test, test. How do I sound, boys? Pretty All clear. hyped Pretty up good. for Passion of the Christ 2.
Should right, we just yeah, pivot and do that tonight? I just want to see. Two Passion, Two Christ? Not use torture in a movie. Two Passion, <laughs> Two Christ? The Passion, Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Christ. <laughs> Tokyo there are Christ. stories about Jesus in Japan. And then one woman, Passion 4, Christ 6. Dude, there's a place in Japan where people swear it's like his actual burying spot. It's crazy, dog. Josh, you uh, making shit up again? How did he get out there? Yeah. He flew, Mikey, because Jesus can do that. Is that like a Mormon... But for Jap- Japanese people. Oh, pick six. Oh, I get it. Jesus is like Neo at the end of the Matrix. He's Pickled just like, six. I'm gonna... No, 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 no. There's two parts of his life that are, quote, life, depending on who you believe, that are like unaccounted for. One is like from age 12 to age 30. So that is where you there's a bunch to Japan? of these stories from like the. the sh- yeah, you either have Christmas eats. Jesus or bearded Jesus. What just happened wait. before? Just well, I wait. That so, part of the story comes out later. Like Tokyo. Anyway, Christ. 12 to 30, he goes to Near East, and there's a lot of stories, like independent stories of him in like India and China and shit. And then he like, presumably comes back. And then after his resurrection are when the like stories of him supposedly being in like Africa and then like Ch- Japan. That's- so like. Yeah, there's like these weird like independent tribes. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, we had Jesus." Do you know how long it would take him to get from <laughs> if Santa can do it? Fucking Jesus Japan? can do it. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I've yeah, never ever heard of that before. The average life expectancy in Jesus' times was like 19 years old. How old do you think he was gonna live? No <laughs> way he did that. He stepped on a rusty nail. He was done for. He's yeah, he died. No, no way to Let's, treat that. Listen. These are stories that the Jedi will probably not tell you. Yeah. These these oh, records are sealed in the in the Vatican. The Japan files. So he was just like <laughs> fuck the Aboriginals. I hear there's some cool shit going down in Tokyo. <laughs> Picturing Jesus. Yeah. Picturing Jesus like drifting on a chariot. This makes me laugh so hard. Like the Japanese learned it from him. <laughs> the ancient samurai watched him. Imperious <laughs> Christ, Christ, Christ. Maybe a little something called the Mith- the Smithsonian can change your mind. The Smithsonian. Idiot. <laughs> a little something called. I've never heard Mel of this Gibson. before. I I've never the, been the Japanese files. I've never been more excited for a movie. <laughs> if he makes it to Japan and Mel Gibson's Two Passion to Christ, I will love it. All right, we Are good. You just reading the article, you all silent, just reading. Yeah, no. catching up. A Scientologist once told me that Jesus was actually two guys. There was a guy called Jesus, mm. and then another person called Christ, and like history mixed them up. You ever hear was that? He, like, like Shakespeare. I would believe that over who went to Japan. I thought you were gonna say it's twins and clones. Twins, Basil. <laughs> that would make a great movie. And that man was Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm ready, boys. I'm ready. <clears throat> Actually, I'm gonna pee. Give me two minutes. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Let's do this.
Henry Fett. The Book of Henri. The Book of Mormon. What's the target audience for this movie? Oh, that was going to be my first question. Who the fuck knows, dude? This is serial killers. <laughs> Josh, like, who's the target sit, audience? Just sitting back, guys. Like, hey, he's doing it right. He's got a good mind on him. Actually, you know what? I I, I don't want to respond while we're not on the air because this is a good pod conversation. <laughs> I need to ask Pap so many questions. Got to get to the bottom of this pick. Whenever there's a pick like this, people always like come at the host like, "Why the fuck did you pick this, dude? <laughs> Who is this movie for?" <laughs> Explain this movie to me, goddammit. <clears throat> you made hell. I think we need to go on book theme movies. The next movies have to have book in the name. Uh-huh. Book of Eli? Ooh, I saw that in theaters. It's just really an excuse for me to pick the 1994 Jungle Book. Jason Scott Lee. Jason Scott Lee's Jungle Book. Do we Isn't do that on the live action? Is Carrie Elvis in that movie? Yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peak. Peak? <laughs> yeah, he Elvis. looked good back then, man. Mount. Mikey? <clears throat> Are we ready? Is everybody ready back? Get crucified like two Jesus, two passion? Ten seconds, me? ten seconds. Yeah, the what fuck, I mean? man. What did I do? This is a crucifixion. You literally... <laughs> I didn't well, make I'll this movie. i the pod. <laughs> no, but you landed on it. Bullshit. I saw you as a producer credit. <laughs> said Patty. Me and Jason Schwartzman, director of photography. Yeah, what? Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I saw that. I'm ready. I'm here. <clears throat> okay. Three... Two, one, go. That was spoilers.